on in. Good to be in the Lord's house today, amen? We'll try that one more time. Y'all glad to be here? Why don't y'all get your blue hymnal and turn with me to number 474. 474. Oh, yeah. 
unison prayer, please. Yes, Lord, thank you. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, I'm glad y'all are here today. We do have a number of folks out. Some are vacationing, so let's pray for them and uh, uh, just look around, lift them up. Uh, just, um, I see, a, is that the ladies' retreat up there in the back back there? In October the 6th, okay? So ladies, please do remember that. And then also, we're going to have a Brother Sean Elam is going to be with us on the 11th, and that's a Wednesday night. But Brother Elam, is uh, we took him on, never got to meet his wife, because remember his wife was kind of in, uh, I don't know what else to call it, but she couldn't get her papers, to, and they had to deport her and everything. Well, they are back together now, and they're, uh, they're doing their deputation again. He just wanted to come by and have a chance to meet us. And so he's going to be here Wednesday, October the 11th, and so please do keep him in your prayers. Be in prayers for all our missionaries, amen. And can I ask you this? This is one thing I've been doing here lately. I'm looking for more missionaries to support. Be in prayer for that, that we'll be able to find some good godly missionaries that we can have in and take on for support. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time. Our men will come to receive those. Amen. Brother Wade, would you ask the Lord's blessing, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in your house this morning. Lord, uh, hear your word, Lord. Lord, pray for Pastor, give him the words to preach today, Lord. Yes. Lord, we're just grateful for the freedoms we have in our country, Lord. Mm. We just pray that we can continue to have those freedoms, Lord. Lord, I just want to pray for our youth and the future. Yes. Lord, just uh, want to say a prayer for all the hunters as hunting season begins, Lord. Just be with mm. them in their safety, Lord. We just love you with all our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.
chapter 8 this morning. Exodus chapter 8. We had opportunity to go yesterday and and see the play about uh, the book of Esther and uh, it was uh, very interesting in a lot of points and, and had a lot of uh, things that uh, it was just kind of neat to see revealed there. Um, one of the things was her name. Her name, Esther, itself means myrtle, and they kind of did some hinting about that. And if you pay attention, you can see it. And they showed what a myrtle tree looked like. i got to be honest with you, I, I always ask, I always wonder. By the way, we probably know what a myrtle tree looks like. Once they showed me what it looked like, I'm like, oh, that's a myrtle tree. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it made sense. Um, but then her name, when it was changed, it was changed to Esther, which means star, but it also means hidden. And uh, that was very interesting to think about that. And uh, the thing that's interesting is, you know, we talked about this here a little while back, that it's the honor for kings to search out a matter. And, and God gives us these wonderful accounts of things that happen, and, and he doesn't waste any words, and he doesn't waste any space. And, and so a lot of times you've got to ask, why would God tell this story? And um, if you can, you know, if, if you look at the book of Job, you'd say, well, it's all about suffering. Well, not really. Not really. It's not really about suffering. It might be about God's sovereignty, 
amen, and different things like that. But um, if you could look from it with a better perspective, you could see more of it, I guess is my point. And when it comes to uh, Exodus and the account of Moses and Pharaoh and the ten plagues, you could just get lost in the details and focus on, you know, which God they were attacking. And we'll look at that a little bit. But, um, and, and, and the contest and, and what took place and everything like that. But can I tell you this, that it's good to step back sometimes and not say this question, but say, instead of saying, what does this mean or what is it saying, but what did God write this for, to me for? Why, why did God give me this account? He could have not given us the account. He could have said this isn't important. And yet he did. He gave us the account, and he said, this is important. And this is not just important for Pharaoh and, and for Moses and for Aaron. It's important for you, okay? And so as I was thinking about this, and, and uh, just I kind of want to uh, preach like a whole bunch of verse, chapters today, four chapters. And in a sense that I want you to think about the whole contest. It started out with some token signs saying, hey, we're real here, listen to us, and of course, he said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? He wasn't really impressed. And, and yet, then he began pouring out the water, the first plague, if you will, and it turned to blood. And we talked about how the death and the river, and, and, uh, and, and you can could, you could make all kinds of uh, observations concerning that. But the next four chapters is just a relentless pursuit of, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. And this is how Pharaoh responded. And this is how Pharaoh responded. And this is how Pharaoh responded. And so then God did this. Okay? And so if you will, I, I want us to take and not think so much about Pharaoh, but maybe how it applies to God's trying to draw an unbeliever. See, the Bible says that we couldn't come to him except the Holy Spirit draw him. And we can't have the Holy Spirit except the Father send him. We can't have salvation unless the Lord comes and pays the price of redemption on the cross. And so, if you will, God is working in every person's life, not willing that any should perish. Okay? And so, I, I want you to think of this text from this perspective. How does God draw the unbeliever? Uh, in Exodus chapter 1 is the account of the second plague. And the second plague is that of the frogs. And um, in Exodus chapter 8, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. You remember, again, that's not a request. That's a command. He has the right to make that command. And, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, if you will, Pharaoh has an obligation to answer it. And the Bible says, and if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite thy borders with frogs. Now, a good mess of frogs for some of us here, that'd be a good meal, amen? But you wouldn't mind getting 20 of them, but how many of you like to get about 5,000 of them? That'd be a different story, wouldn't it? And that's kind of what's going on here. They worshipped frogs. You're going to see this here. One of their gods had the face of a frog. And, um, and uh, so he said, if you, you like frogs, do you? <laughs> this is kind of implied in the text. Do you like frogs? Well, I'll give you all the frogs you can take. Okay. And so, if you will, 
uh, the Bible says in verse 3, it says, And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and into thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. How many of y'all like frogs? I mean, get it. The frogs are going to be everywhere. They're going to be in your food. They're going to be in your bed. They're going to be in your bath. They're, they're going to be everywhere. And the Bible says, and the frogs shall come up both upon thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. Everybody's going to be impacted by this. By the way, that's another thing to observe is who's impacted because it changes over time. The Bible says, and the Lord spake to Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And I don't think, you know, we talked about last week figures of speech. I don't really believe that's a figure of speech. I believe when he says they covered, they covered. Okay. The Bible says, uh, verse 8 says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. He says, I get it, I'll let them go. Okay? Verse 9, the Bible says, And Moses said to Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee and, and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? By the way, this is probably the most difficult verse of this text to discern, because I didn't understand why does it say glory over me? In a sense, he's honor me is what he's saying here. And I'm like, what in the world? Well, he answers it in the next, in the next verse, okay? He says, and he said, tomorrow, meaning this. He says, glory over me. Tell me when to get rid of them, okay? And so in a sense is, he's saying, name the time. That was the glory. That was the honor. He was going to sh- be shown. And by the way, it wasn't going to just be Moses. It was going to be God was shown. Listen, you know the frogs are going to be gotten rid of because eventually they're going to die. But he says, glory over me and tell me the time. And that's when it's going to happen. By the way, there used to be an old song. I don't know if you'd like it or not, but one more night with the frogs. He could have said, how about now? He didn't. Notice what he said. The Bible says this. He said, tomorrow. I don't know about you. If I had, if I had uh, frogs in my bread, I'd say I want them out of there now. Y'all understand? The Bible says, he says, and he said, be it according to thy word. <laughs> that's what you ask for. That's what I'm going to give you. It says that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants, from thy people, and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and out of the villages and out of the fields, and they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. I don't know what a dead frog smells like, but I'm not real big on that one. Amen. It says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. He said, I told you, no matter what we do, he's not going to let you go. Okay? If you were to read the rest of this chapter, you would see, well, if you won't listen to frogs, how about I throw some dirt in the air and it turns into lice? I've got to be honest with you. Anybody here who's ever had lice, and if you have children at least one point in your life, you've probably had lice. And it's just terrible. It's awful. I mean, I feel sorry for people who get it. I don't get it. I'm immune. 
<laughs> so, it's uh, heaven anyway, as far as I know. And then the last one is, uh, the Bible says, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the last plague was flies after that, okay? Now think about them stinking frogs and thinking about them lice crawling all over people and think about them flies and some of you all laugh at me, but one of the books I'm thinking about buying here is about flies. And it's, I mean, it's like an eight-hour audio book, so there must be something to know about flies. You all with me? And uh, it talks about what their purpose and their place is. How many of you all hate flies? I do too. But I'll tell you this, they have a purpose and a place. Why? Because God has a purpose and a place for all his creation. Amen. But when you have that many of them, Folks, you need to realize that they, they worshipped frogs and they worshipped the ground that they threw up in the air and turned into lies. And they worshipped, if you will, the fly. The fly was actually one of their major gods, believe it or not, and uh, the god of insects. And, uh, and, and so, if you will, we see that he took and uh, that he did that. But before we go on, let's, let's take and ask the Lord to bless. Father, we love you. Just apply your blessing to the word. Help us to apply it to our lives. And Father, uh, help us to use it for an opportunity to witness uh, to those around us who we love. Father, uh, just uh, be with that one who's here that maybe does not know that they're going to heaven when they die. And Father, you've reached out again and again and again. Help them to know that someday you'll reach out for the last time. Would to God they get saved before that. Father, we love you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I printed out a chart, and I, I, don't, I don't want to preach on this, because you can go back and research this for yourself if you're interested. One of the difficulties in knowing all the gods that are being attacked in Israel, uh, Egypt excuse me, is they had so many gods. You guys, uh, one of the nicknames for India is the land of a thousand gods. And the reason is, is every, every city has their own gods. And Sometimes an uh, individual has their own God, a town will have their own God, a country will have their own God. And we talked about it this morning a little bit. They all have different origin stories and everything. And if you're interested in that, you can study all that. But the whole point is this, is God, of course, knew who those gods were. And he knew the most important ones, the river and the sun and the earth and, and the insects. That's what he's attacking, okay, and that's what they worshipped. And, and if you go through it, that there's names to them and that there's ways that they worshiped them. And you can, you can study all that if you wanted to. But here's one thing you need to know about this. And, and, and go study it. It's, it's an interesting study if you want to do it. Um, but Egyptians, if they had one characteristic as a nation, is they valued cleanliness. Okay? You remember one of the things about the Jews is they always had their, their beards and they were, they were unkept and everything like that. I read recently here that Egyptians would shave up to uh, their head. They would shave their head like every uh, uh, two to four days. Okay, so they, they, they were clean shaven. And the reason that they did that, it was they, they were just obsessed with cleanliness. Okay, that was one of their things. Well, think about God is attacking your gods, the ones that encourage you and strengthen you and that you believe in. And he's turning them into big piles of stinking rottiness. Amen. You like worshiping frogs? Here you go. And then they collected them all up and they sit there and they just stank. And I, I would tell you that that had to have been just abhorrent to them. And, and, and then just uh, we'll, we'll talk about, a, 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 if you will, the, the frog God. He was, he was life and fertility. And if you will, now he's equated with death and stinking. 
okay? Uh, Geb was the earth god, if you will, and, and now he's uh, being turned into a tormenting parasite. And I'll tell you, that's what, that's what lice is. It's a tormenting parasite, if you will. And then uh, Kepri, if it matters, uh, he was the god of the rising sun and of insects. And now he's associated with filth and pestilence. And I got to tell you what, I can take a lot of bugs, but I cannot stand a fly. I, I just, ugh. I mean, matter of fact, I don't know where my fly swatter is. If you know where it is, I'd really appreciate it. Because I usually use my Bible, and that's a little bit overkill. You know what I'm talking about? use some kind of book anyway Uh, and so if you will here's what I want you to think about this because I'm talking about backing up a little bit and having all of this apply to us now okay because if God is trying to draw an unbeliever and is he trying to draw he's trying to draw Pharaoh the only problem is is that he knows from the beginning that Pharaoh will not be persuaded and he hardens his heart so that he might teach this lesson not only to Pharaoh but to us for all time talking about if a ter- if a person is determined not to believe it doesn't matter what I do they will not be reached they've made that choice and so if you will God is pouring out these judgments against these gods and 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 one after another saying that doesn't work and that doesn't work and that doesn't work and he's basically saying this there's only one God look up look up I was thinking about that and 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 if you if if you didn't get saved as a child now if you got saved as a child you probably got saved because you grew up hearing Bible stories and you knew about God, and you knew about his love, and you knew about his judgment against sin. And one day it made sense to you and you just trusted God as your savior. But can I tell you, for those of us who got saved later in life, we, we were looking some, for something to fill the void. There was an emptiness there. There was, there was a longing there. There was something that was missing. And we would try one thing after another until we hopefully filled that void in our life. And the problem is it would always come up and you would realize that you were wanting. Uh, I, some of the easiest examples are this, is, is a lot of people try drugs and alcohol. Why? They want to feel good. And they say, hey, drugs will make you feel good. Or alcohol will make you feel good. Yeah, it'll make you feel good until you wake up the next day with the hangover and you're throwing up and you're destroying all your family relationships and you lose all your friends. And then you say, I just, I, I just want to kill myself. And you say, drinking's not worth this. And you know what God does? He goes, God destroyed. You like frogs? Have frogs. What do you think about your frogs now? Folks, get a hold of this. That's exactly what he does when God allows you to say, well, I, 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 I'm going to try smoking. Well, okay, try it. Try it. Why? Because I can't keep you from it. Okay? But I'll tell you this. Try it until it makes you sick. Until it takes the life of your friends. Until it destroys your health. Until it makes it so that you can't enjoy life. And then you're going to say, stupid God. And I'm not talking about capital G-O-D. I'm talking about the one that you use to fill the place of capital G-O-D. And God says, that didn't work either, did it? You try drugs and alcohol. Maybe you try promiscuity. You take it and say, well... Well, relationships and people, the problem is shallow relationships end up empty. And how often do people, again, kill themselves because they say, that didn't fulfill. Can I tell you this? The marriage bed is undefiled. I'm going to say that again until you say amen. God has a plan for a good relationship. And that is you wait until God gives you a husband or a wife. 
Wish we had more zeal in that. Amen. And then you ask God, God, would you make this one last for a lifetime? Amen. And for many of you, even those who are widowed, it's, it has. I, I tell you, I think about a lot of things, but I, you know, Mindy and I are to the age now that you know, I, I think we're just glad we made it. And I don't mean marriage. <laughs> I don't mean marriage. But I will tell you this, if, if, if she were to pass, I've got to be honest with you, my interest level in finding somebody else would be non-existent. I, I mean, God might change things, I don't know. But just in my heart, why God gave me the one. God gave me the one. Come on now, amen. And that did meet the need. And I'm glad she's the only one. Come on now. Because I'll tell you, the promiscuity doesn't fulfill. But righteous marriage does. Amen. How about these poor kids today that think their lives are going to mean something if they can just get their gender figured out? And folks, I don't know if you know this, but like, they're like the number one suicide. Number one. Why? Because they try some of that nonsense and they go, people lied to me. This didn't fix anything. I'm more confused now than I was before. And folks, if you don't believe me, just read some of their testimonies. Amen. And so they say, that God. Some of you all know I graduated from the University of Colorado. And we, we're kind of in the news right now. We hired a coach, Deion Sanders. And I don't know if you de- know Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders might be one of the greatest athletes of my lifetime. And he had everything. He had fame and fortune. I mean, he had everything that goes along with that. And, um, and uh, I read a quote from him this last week. And he basically said that. He said, I, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this. And I had all of it. I mean, he's, you know, he had everything he wanted. And he said, I ended up empty. It didn't satisfy. And if you know his story, he, he, he literally thought about committing suicide. And, and praise the Lord, he got saved. Now, I don't know what stripe he is, but I know this. Every interview he ends, he ends, bless God, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Every interview. Why? Because he's trying to say, guys, I tried everything else. And only God fills that hole. Only God fills that hole. You see, one of the things God was doing intentionally is he took and he intentionally destroyed every one of their gods so that they couldn't get up at the next day and say, well, at least we got this one. No, they're going to be all destroyed. And listen, you think, well, that's just terrible. No, that's merciful. Because if you're banking on something that doesn't work and somebody takes and tells you the truth, isn't that a wonderful thing? And let me say this, though. You say, well, that, that, that's only for, for people who grew up with promiscuity and drug use. and that. No, no, no. You guys remember a guy named Solomon? You guys know that verse? He says in, in chapter 12, verse 13, he says, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. And if you don't know what that means, read the rest of the book where he says, I tried, I tried becoming productive. I tried many wives. I tried working hard. I tried making money. I tried building buildings. Y'all with me? 
He says, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of the law. And, and so, if you will, we never read the next verse. Would you go and read the next verse with me? Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God says this. He says, If you'll just put me first, I'll meet all your needs. If you'll take and, and let me fill that emptiness in your heart, because when Adam and Eve fell, what they, what they lost was me. And if you want to fill that hole in your life, I'm here and I'm available and I'll show you nothing else works. But I work. And I promise you this, the people who are happiest in life are the people who have to have the least gods destroyed before they come to him. Y'all with me? Amen. It breaks my heart when I see what some people in this world pursue because they try this and they try that and they try this and they try that, but they never will one time say, okay, God, I get it. I get it. God, you've destroyed everything that I thought was important and valuable. By the way, how many of y'all, after salvation, he, all those things you thought were important and valuable, he gave you something better? I'll take, a, I'll take a solid marriage over what I was going to have. I'll, I'll, I'll take the death I'm going to die as opposed to the one I probably would have died. Amen. Okay. And, and so if you will, he destroys all their gods. The second thing that we see is that he puts an end to their bargaining. You know, one of the things about, about um, human beings is we kind of like to do the very least we have to do to get the most benefit. Okay. And so we're all the time bargaining, right? I don't know about you. I'm not like the world's worst bargainer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good at it at all. Matter of fact, if I really need to bargain on something, well, to be quite honest with you, I'll call uh, somebody who's good at it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and say, you, you, you need to bargain this for me. And that's exactly what Pharaoh's doing, okay? Because every time he finally goes, all right, whatever, whatever, they can go. Well, the first time he, he takes and, 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 and he, he bargains just by saying, you know, that, that you really didn't do enough yet, okay? Say, so give me some more and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll respond. Uh, he did that in chapter 8, back in our text, Exodus chapter 8. Look at verse 15. And the Bible says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, That, that's an important word there, guys. Okay? This sounds terrible, but let's just pretend. Nobody ever sits right there very seldom anyway, so I'm going to point here. But I'm going to say, take a gun, and I'll point it at your head, and I'm going to say, trust God or die. Now, how many of y'all think people are going to say, I trust God? You got a gun to your head. All right? But as soon as I put that gun away... Are you going to reconsider probably? Yeah. Yeah. And see, get a hold of this. That's a form of bargaining. 
Because I know all kinds of people, and matter of fact, it's one of the criticisms of criticism, is you're just weak, and, and you only came to them in time of need. You were going through a hard time in your life, and that's why you got saved. Well, please take this the right way. If that's the only reason you got saved, it, you know, you, you probably ought to think about it. I mean, if you did get saved, praise the Lord, okay? But please take this the right way. God does put us through hard times to get our attention. Praise God. But if you want to be all gung-ho for Jesus until the crisis is gone, and then you fall away, and you fall out, and you can't be found, don't come to church anymore, don't read your Bible anymore, don't pray anymore, can I just say, you kind of made a deal with the Lord to deliver you from your problems. And you know the next time you're going to be faithful to church? When your problems come back. Amen. Folks, that's not real. That's just running to a rescuer. Now, folks, Jesus Christ is our rescuer, and he is the one who saves us. But it ought to be a life-changing event, not just something that gets you out of your difficulty for the moment. And I can't tell you how many people are like that. Those are the ones that fall by the wayside. Those are the ones that don't finish their course. Those are the ones that think they're saved, but deep in their heart they know they're not. Because he was never of the attitude, I'm going to let these people go. He was just like, get rid of the frogs. And then when the frogs were gone, he's like, all right, now get back to work. Wait a minute, you said you let us go. By the way, God never said that. <laughs> he's like, I told you he wouldn't let you go. Okay, I told you he wouldn't let you go. You see, uh, he puts an end to the bargaining knowing that they're not moved by God's mercy and also knowing that they're not moved by strong evidence. Look what the Bible says in, in verse 19 now. After the, they, they took and they sent the lice, uh, listen, before this, uh, the, the wise men of Egypt, they could take and they could make snakes and they could make bloody water, if you will. They could take and they could duplicate the frogs. Amen? But it came to a point where they couldn't do that anymore. Matter of fact, they, they couldn't duplicate the lice. It's like, there's something different about this one, okay? And in verse 19, notice what they said to Pharaoh. The Bible says this, it says, Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. You know what he's saying? We, we could fake all the other stuff. We can't even fake this one, okay? Meaning this, whenever he made that lice, there was something about it where they couldn't do that anymore. And the Bible says, And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Meaning, the whole point is this, is, is you can show them proof, and proof will never be enough. By the way, can you prove anything? The answer to that question, folks, and I, if you need me to teach it, I'll teach it. But folks, the answer to that question is you can't prove anything. Excuse me. Oh, that's terrible. Sorry. Microphone's right there. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, folks, you can't prove anything. How many of y'all think that sun's coming up tomorrow? Six of us. Um, how many of y'all can prove it? Not one of you. All you can do is you can say the sun has come up every day since I've been born. It's going to come up tomorrow. Well, you got pretty good evidence. How many of y'all going to set an alarm for the tomorrow because the sun's going to come up? Amen. Okay. There's good, strong evidence. You can't prove anything. You know why? 
the, the just shall live by his faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God says this, I'll give you strong evidence, but I cannot give you proof. Why? The only way to give proof is for you to see me face to face. And folks, by the time we see God face to face, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. And so, if you will, he puts an end to their bargaining, knowing that they won't be moved by mercy, they won't be moved by strong evidence, and knowing that their obedience is just conditional. If you'll do this for me, then I will do that. Please take this the right way. I don't know about you, when I got saved, I wasn't bargaining with God. God, if you'll do this for me, I'll get saved, I'll live for the Lord, I'll start going to church. And by the way, sometimes people do that. And I will promise you this, I've never met one to to finish out their contract. Never. Why? Well, I'm, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do... No. Because you need to realize who enables you to do anything in the first place. Amen. And so, if you will, skip down in verse 25, after the, after the flies. Now, by the way, um, some of y'all use hand sanitizer just constantly. Right? I mean, usually people who use it use it a lot. Okay? And, and, and so how many of y'all would like to just go cut some raw chicken for us? Who do that all the time? Okay? Well, you, you, you're, you're worried about germs. You all with me? Folks, these people were consumed with cleanliness. And now they are walking and they can't breathe without getting flies in their mouth. You grossed out yet? That's the idea, okay? That's the idea. Do you think God should have had their attention by now? Amen. Verse 25. Verse 25, the Bible says this. It says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet for us to do. Uh, He says, For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, uh, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? Uh, and they will stone us. He's saying this. He says, go, but just do it in your land. He says, we can't. As soon as they see us sacrificing, they're going to take and stone us. You all understand that? See, God understood. Moses understood. By the way, Pharaoh understood too. Amen? The Bible says, I will put a division, excuse me, a verse uh, 27, he says, we will go three days' journey. Okay. Then verse 28, and Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. By the way, every time he did this, he bargained. He said, okay, you can go sacrifice, but do it in the land. Okay, you can go sacrifice, but don't go too far. Okay, you can sacrifice, but don't take your women and children. Okay, go sacrifice, but don't take your cattle. And God said, we're going with our men, our wives, our children, our cattle. And we're going three days journey. That's what we're doing. Well, if if you would just do a little less than that. No. Please take this the right way, folks. The Bible says there's one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, God, if you just let me have a part in my salvation. And God says, no. It's just, a, just a little one. How about if I get baptized? Would that be, no, that's not good enough. Well, what if, what if I, I'm so smart, I figured it out? That's, no. 
It's not by your wisdom, not by your stature, it's your heart. Come on. And, and there's so many people says, God, if you'll just let me have a part in my salvation, and God says, you either come my way or you don't come. And you say, that's cruel. No, that's the only way to make it so that there's only one way. And it's fair for everybody. Amen. And I'm not going to let you get in with less because you're better at negotiating. Or more powerful than the next guy. See, when God says there's only one name under heaven, you know what he means? There's only one name. When he says the way is narrow and the, the, and the gate is straight, he means the way is narrow and the gate is straight, and few there be that go in thereat. The Bible has made it abundantly clear that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And you'll either come by me or you won't come. Well, God, if you just... No. You either come by me or you don't come. Now, folks, you might think to seem, seem to think that that's cruel, but that's the only way. It's the only way. You see, God, when he's dealing with the unbeliever, he destroys all their gods. He, he puts an end to all their bargaining. He says, either accept this or nothing else. Amen. And then he tries to convince them at the easiest level. I want you to think about this. Um, we talked about this a little bit. When he turned the water to blood, could they still drink water? I'm not trying to trick you here, but the answer is yes. Remember what they did? They dug ditches beside the river and they filtered it. They could still drink water. It just it was nasty and it was stinky and the fish was dying. But they still had water. Okay. They weren't going to die. They were just going to suffer a little bit. And then, and then frogs. I mean, frogs are a nuisance. I mean, by the way, how many of y'all like to try to sleep overnight with all them frogs? Can you imagine? Um, and, and so, if you will, it, and it was just, it was inconvenient, all right? But then he put lice on them, and i got to be honest with you. Y'all are doing it. Okay? And you can't get away from it, and they're biting you, and they're tormenting you. Ah, now it's, now it's personal. Amen? And then it's them flies. Folks, there's a reason why all them people in the desert, they walk around with their nose covered. Okay? You ever seen that? And, 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 and I'm just, I mean, they can't, it's just tormenting. And then he says, I'm going to kill your cattle. It didn't really touch them, but they're going to be vegetarians for a while. Because all the fish are dead, and now all the cattle are dead. Come on. And, and then lest you think that it's going to get any better, he sends locusts, and they take and they eat the stubble. There's nothing left. Until the point, finally, that the, the magicians come to him, his, his wise men, they come to him and they said, they said, Pharaoh, don't you know that Israel is destroyed? We've lost everything. Let these people go. I will not. Can you imagine? And folks, he started out by making them thirsty uncomfortable, took away their wealth. Amen? And they said, if, you, if you're still not listening, I got one more for you. I'm going to kill your firstborn. Why? 
because you killed mine. Amen. Now please take, take heed to this. Why do people go to hell? Because they will not receive the gift of grace that God offers to them. You say, well, why do they have to experience eternal death? Because my son had to experience it for you. Amen. And folks, if that doesn't resound in a person's mind, you're never going to reach them. Amen. I want you to think about this. And I believe this, this happens in every individual's life. God will take your gods away. Amen. One by one. He'll put an end to your bargaining. No. My way or else. He'll, he'll try to convince you at the easiest level, but he'll take you all the way to death. The wages of sin is death. Amen. But please take this the right way. He always leaves the door open to faith. He's done all this. Pharaoh will not be moved. But you know how it ends in, in uh, Exodus chapter 12. He says, take a lamb. Slay him. And apply the blood to the doorposts and the lintels. And by the way, a lot of people say, well, the death angel came through and killed. The Bible doesn't say that. God says, I will go through. God's the one that did it. And he went through, and if he didn't see the blood, the firstborn in every house died. And, I, I, and to be quite honest with you, I thought about it, and I thought, I thought, well, some in the Egyptians, they must have applied the blood. The only problem is, read it in, in, in Exodus chapter 12. The Bible says there was not one house that wasn't affected with somebody dying. Not one. They had rejected their God and there was no way for them. But folks, when it came to those Jews, folks, you know what? Their firstborn could have died too. But everyone that took and slew the lamb, by the way, Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And everyone that applied the blood, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved or delivered from the death. Amen? And folks, no matter how hard you think God is in all of this, God does all this because he's not willing that any should perish. How many of you all ever gave your child a good spanking because you loved them? I love you too much not to give you a spanking. And God, you say, why, why would you put somebody through such a hard time? Because I don't want them to spend eternity in hell. And I'll crush their gods to do it. And I'll take away all their bargaining. And I'll start easy because I'm a compassionate, loving God. But they need to realize ultimately it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. But I have made a way. I have made a way. Now friend, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, praise God. 
But can I say this? Next time somebody's talking about the Ten Commandments, you can say, you know, that's a wonderful picture of God's trying to draw you to a place of salvation. And we can use that as an opportunity to witness. I pray the Lord to give you an opportunity even this week ahead. But friend, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, maybe God's the one destroying your gods. Maybe the Lord's made the conviction a little bit harder today. Maybe today's the day you need to stop bargaining with Him and you just need to come His way and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's all stand if you would. If God's touched your heart in any way, the altars are open. The invitation, of course, is from Him.